At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. We stay the course. We are dead. We are all dead. We're supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I know Kung Fu. You either die a hero, or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! This whole thing is insane! This whole thing is insane! 300 years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men of power want? More power. This is now the United States of zombie land. This whole thing is insane! Man is even capable of nothing but destruction! Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? It's such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy hair season. Welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it just is. It just is. Especially with the audio version of Aeon Byte Live, episode 39 this one. Raw, uncensored, and unfiltered. Just like the truth you've been looking for across all your existences. Supercharged by stellar audience participation. On this sacrilege, we were joined at the virtual Alexandria by comedian and host of Soberish, Jessa Reed. She discussed her life and remarkable insights. This included overcoming meth addiction, near-death experience, alien encounters, and revelations that we exist in a simulation ending soon with the coming of a new higher dimensional reality. I dig Jessa's work and mind a lot, and I think you will too. As a bonus for AB Prime members and patrons at Patreon, thought I'd add an old interview with Parallel Notions. It was with Reverend Michael Carter, author of Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials in the Holy Bible. Michael is a Christian pastor who, as you can see by the title of his book, became embedded personally in the world of UFOs and their mission for humans. Sophia, blessings for those of you who continually support. Please continue to help me grow this red bell cafeteria. We need Gnosis more than ever, needless to say, and we've only just begun reaching those who need to wake up or simply cope in 2020. You won't find this high-quality Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom or some of our guests and their unique insights anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. Don't forget the new merch store, finding Hermes and other new features of the virtual Alexandria. This is still the revolution of the spirit and the mind in the name of Hypatia of Alexandria. Next up, Jason Reza Giorgiani arrives to discuss transhumanism, robotics, the singularity, breakaway civilizations, and a Gnostic trickster god named Prometheus. But enough of my short drivel. Led us to our latest AB Live with Jessa Reed, complete for AB Prime members and patrons at Patreon. Hello, 
Birdie Num Num, Nipples for Men, and Warm Leatherettes Done Dirt Cheap for You. And now we must speak of Zhuangzhou, who fell asleep one day and dreamed he was a butterfly. For hours he fluttered in the warm winter sun, until he no longer remembered he was Zhuangzhou. Suddenly he awoke, and he was Zhuangzhou again. But in that moment he didn't know, was he Zhuangzhou who had dreamt he was a butterfly? Or a butterfly who was dreaming he was Zhuangzhou? Good deal. Awesome. Let me turn off my own YouTube. There you go. Well, we are live. Welcome, everybody, to AB Live, episode 39, I believe. It's been a little bit more than a year, and it's been doing really great. So, as always, we will wait for some of the audience to come into the chat room, and then we'll really get started. Let me move some stuff around here. But with us tonight, we have the honor and the pleasure of being joined by Jessa Reed. Jessa, thank you very much for coming on the show. Hello, thank you for having me. Oh, pleasure is all ours. Uh, again, I've really enjoyed your work. And uh, as some might say, it's uh, something you're probably used to. I got uh, a couple of people that I really trusted come to me and say, oh, man, you got to listen to the Soberish podcast. And I'm like, Soberish? Hey, I'm a recovering <laughs> drug addict. I am there. I didn't. Even, I just ran to it. And of all things, it was last, I think it was January 20th. I think you were starting your second season. And I was driving, of all things, I was leaving my therapist's office, going to Starbucks. I mean, what a you know, middle-class life in 2020. Yeah, relatable. Yeah, and I put you on, and, I, and my jaw dropped. I was like, well, I came for the physical sobriety, but I'm staying for the spiritual sobriety. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> I'm going to steal that and use yeah. it as a log line. Yeah, that is true, because as you said, uh, people, well, <laughs> you would think one thing, and then you're blown away by your story and everything you have to share. So it's awesome. But we'll definitely get into it. But also with us, we've got the always sober Moondong Vance. How are you doing, Vance? Yeah, it's true. I'm, you know, sober for 67 years. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. And recovering. Yeah, we're all recovering or something. So I see people are starting to go in the chat room. You guys know the rules. If you have questions, please type them in caps or lots of question marks so that Vance or I can filter them and ask Jessa as we go into the interview. And as you all know, this interview will be on YouTube in its entirety, and then I will put it in a day or two on uh, iTunes, Spotify, and all those good places, and some other housekeeping too. Don't forget, got the merch store going. Did not wear any of my merch because uh, I'm terrible at this, but I should have. Uh, <laughs> And uh, Finding Hermes is out, and so are other features and ventures of AM Byte, including uh, my voice service if you need it. I do voiceovers, and I'm starting to advertise it. So if you need narration, audiobooks, or anything, let me know. I got the home studio and the professional pedigree and all that. So just throwing that out for you. And... Um, Oh, uh, that, uh, yeah, I think that's it for the house cleaning. Anything else I'm missing, Vance, that I usually yammer about? Uh, I don't know. Something about writing your own gospel and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm forgetting the AM by taglines. Like, oh, oh, boy. Falling apart here at the seams. Uh, help somebody. All right, well, we'll get there. And yeah, here I am waving my jewel for those of you who want to mock me for doing this. And Jessa, uh, yeah. uh, you, you quit smoking too, right? I quit smoking in 2007. Yeah. Wow. Uh, my boyfriend at the time was, he quit smoking in June and became immediately preachy about it. And so I said, fine, I'll quit in a month. And I set a date and then I just quit on that date. And uh, then he started smoking again two months later. And you never went back. Uh -huh. Wow. No, oh. I was like, well, I'm already home free. So. 
Yeah, exactly. Well, I still smoke, and like I tell people, I love to smoke. I'm not, I don't even feel guilty. I just don't care. I just it's my one vice. I think. Yeah, I think that's it. So. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm glad I quit when I did. It was kind of. Uh, um, I don't believe in quitting things until you're done with them. You know, so I don't, and I think that that's part of the reason that I'm successful at quitting things is because I just accept myself on drugs, accept myself uh, as someone who enjoys smoking cigarettes, and then I quit when I'm ready. I know, that's something that's I'm very impressed or intrigued about your story because, uh, for example, you, you were very open about your drug addiction and your drug life on your podcast, Soberish. And you basically said you finished drugs. You basically, you didn't quit. I mean, you said, I just scrolled out of addiction. I was like, how did she do that? Because I remember last time I was on heavy drugs, cocaine and uh, all that stuff in the late 90s. I remember it was, uh, it was hell. I thought I could just uh, get out. But for you, it seems you became a drug addict as you write simply to make sure you weren't in the rat race to be on the edges of society. Right. It was, it was a, a lifestyle choice. Yeah. I never, um, I don't think I was ever trying to like escape pain or, but I was trying to escape reality, but I felt like, I felt like reality was bullshit from the time I was very young. Like everything that was presented to me as real, it just never felt true. And so when I got to the age as a kid where they start telling you that magic isn't real and stuff, I, it just, it didn't sit right. And so I kept like looking for it in all these different places before meth, I did try Christianity and then the natural progression from that is like, okay, well then maybe meth. Um, and the thing that I really enjoyed about that was the, the society outside of society, because I felt like um, what people considered to be, you know, life didn't feel true to me. It felt, it felt like a Truman Show or, you know, Groundhog Day, a combination of those two. So you would say even as a kid, you were, well, it reminds me, always a seeker. You thought there was something more. And, you know, um, I was the kind of kid who liked to play Dungeons and Dragons and read science fiction because part of me said there has to be more than all this bullshit around. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And as a teenager, the internet didn't really come out until, um, didn't become accessible to me until my 20s. And so there wasn't, you know, you couldn't be a seeker like you can now. But um, just as a teenager, my stepmom had these like time life books about uh, astral projection and ghosts and, you know, the Bermuda Triangle. And I was just constantly looking. I was like, this feels like what is true, you know, but. I had those. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. 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 It was a lot harder back then to find it. Yeah, it was true. Very true. And uh, it seems, I uh, thought we could officially get started and then unpack it. Uh, your Road of Damascus or Philip K. Dick pink beam moment, if you would, was your near-death experience in 2000. Could you tell us what led to it and how it changed your existence? Um, yeah, so I was, uh, in 2000, I had been outside of society for probably about six months at this point. I was like a club kid, you know, in the rave scene and I was 22 years old and, um, I weirdly hung out at a club called the Ohm and a lot of synchronicities around this. And that day I had was helping a friend and for some reason kept telling her nothing outside of you, good or bad, can affect you. You have to make the decision to let it affect you. You get to decide, essentially what I would say now, you get to decide the narrative, but that was not how my brain worked back then. And as I was telling her this, I kept thinking, is this true? Do I really think this? And then I was like running all of my trauma through it, the abuse of my childhood and everything else. And I was like, oh shit, I did kind of get to decide the narrative on that. 
And then I go to the club and I pass out. The last thing I remember is looking up at the speakers and I didn't drink back then, but I did drugs. I don't think I was on any drugs that night, but who knows? Um, and there was, I could see the music coming out of the speakers and I thought, Oh wow. And then that's the last thing I remember. And then um, I woke up in this blue ball of light, which I'm curious now that I've seen sacred geometry and done DMT and stuff, like if my brain just didn't have a category of reason for what I had seen, because what I described it as is back then, if you paused the VCR or the DVR, that blue screen, it was that color blue. And I was in it and I was myself, but I was like a part of it. And it, and it was home. I, in that moment, I was like, oh, this is the place I've been homesick for my entire life. Like that vague homesickness that runs in the background, you know? And the ball of light didn't speak in words, but it translated to words later. And it said, you did everything you came to do. You learned everything you came to learn. You can stay here if you want, but if you want to go back, we have a job for you. And uh, something about helping humanity, I picked helping humanity. And then um, when I went back, I had to live my entire life to the present moment. So I was like living my entire life and fast forward, which I guess is what people mean by your life passing before your eyes. I pictured that like a movie. This was like, it was like in my body up until and then came forward. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I knew a bunch of shit immediately, just had an unknowing and my entire life changed that day. Wow. And, um, do you remember somebody just asked in the chat, do you remember what song was on the speakers? Well, that's a really good question. This was like dream. This was like trance. So it wasn't like, uh, you know, it was like a DJ playing some progressive trance. Yeah, you didn't have that app with like oh, no, this Shazam. Is the song playing while I have it. Well, ninety nine, baby. Does. Yeah. And you had to, so you had to go to the hospital and everything. Uh huh. I mean, they said Jessa's dead. Or um, so there were some strange circumstances around around that. When I woke up, uh, the doctor was extremely rude, and uh, it was weird how I got to the hospital. And to this day, I couldn't tell you what hospital that was. And we were all on drugs. So I've tried to reach out to the people that were there. They all have like way different accounts of everything. But um, I stole the paperwork because there was part of me that was like, there's clues. Like I immediately came back and like understood synchronicities and like clues in reality. So I stole the paperwork and they had my name as Jane Doe Foxtrot. And uh, it just kept saying, uh, patient does not respond to painful stimuli. And when the doctor, it was like over and over again. So when the doctor came um, back in, uh, she didn't, she seemed annoyed with me. And so I was like, do you know what the cause of death was? And she said, uh, drugs. And I said, what drugs? And she said, I don't know. Your friend said you were on drugs. And I was like, <laughs> what that's scientific yeah and then no paperwork to leave or anything it was all very suspicious because i would love to get into it now there are a couple there are a couple theories of what actually happened that night so i don't have any official like was i brain dead was i you know at, just unconscious whatever there was a lot of ghb going around back then so there's a chance uh that i just got dosed and uh or dosed myself it's really hard to the nineties were wild. You know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, uh, wore a wedding veil. Uh, I dressed really weird back then. And so, um, I would, I was often in some sort of strange costume, including like a stolen FBI windbreaker and a tiara or whatever. But for the month leading up to that, I was wearing this ridiculous wedding, this gigantic, very expensive, I'm assuming, elaborate wedding veil. Everywhere I went, I wouldn't go buy a pack of cigarettes without it. And then when people would say, uh, are you getting married? I'd say, no, I'm getting divorced. And, uh, and then I was wearing it when I died. 
take that, take from that what you will. Oh my God, the symbolism is rich. Yeah, I mean, right? Film students could be breaking this <laughs> down, you know, the bride of death and all this other stuff. And so I certainly believe you that you were taking back and you actually, you probably had to really relive your life minute by minute. Um, kind of, I mean, like David Haller and the film Leet and the TV series Legion. But so when the, the entities or the aliens, as you call them, they downloaded everything within you in the, in, while you were in the blue ball of light? Or was this something that the revelations would come later on? I mean, a lot of it came later on. There was a, a kind of knowing, I think, that just comes from just tapping into source. What followed after that was I got weirdly left at a house for five days and um, some strange circumstances around that as well I won't get into. But uh, that started what I have, uh, I now call like alien school. I used to call it dream school, but Tim Dillon gave it a much cooler name. And this, uh, this was like training is what it felt like um, with beings that look, they're aliens, I guess. They look like aliens. It doesn't feel, I don't experience it the way that um, uh, necessarily how it's portrayed, you know, but um, in like media and stuff. But I was taught mostly through dreams and then like telepathically. Now, whatever, I'm on drugs. So at this whole time, um, so take, take that. Yeah, I mean, uh, because as you said, and that's always very interesting about life, you may have the supernatural experience, but it's not like you're going to be zapped into some saint or man who can walk, you know, walk at the top. Uh, you yourself had to sort of uh, go through a process or unpack or decompress because even after that, you experienced, you know, something in a much higher dimension with answers that you could only imagine. You still were on drugs for years after that, weren't you? Uh, yeah. This happened in um, January of 2000, and I got clean in January of 2005. So I spent, and I, I, it really was like the entire time was training with higher dimensional beings. Everyone else around me, I don't recommend meth to anyone because this is not the experience that anyone else was having. It weirdly worked out for me because I was like um, outside of society and really kind of focused on this. But it was just kind of me in a pile of like papers and uh, magic supplies just around just chaos and crime and violence and stuff. So um but yeah that was the strange path that i chose for my awakening and and could you you call them aliens uh is i mean i'm having in our monkey minds we just can't explain it but have you gotten closer to see who they might be i mean could they be our higher selves our future selves i mean is there an explanation for these entities so my understanding is that, uh, oh, because the, the ball of light, sorry, also I feel like I should say now I got bit by a tick like five months ago and uh, it has had a serious effect on my brain. And um, so I'm not as uh, articulate as I usually am right now because I just had to start antibiotics again for it and I lose pieces of information. So while in the blue ball of light, the blue ball of light told me that... Um, that earth was like a place where we play a game and that we had been every iteration of um, every iteration of beings on the planet. We were the dinosaurs. We were whatever. We play these games and then we wipe the slate, whatever. And that the game was about to shift. This is what the helping humanity part. The game was about to shift and the new game was like good and bad would cease to exist, light and dark would cease to exist, male and female, which didn't make any sense to me back then. Now you look at today and you're like, oh shit. They said these were all parameters of the game and that we believed them to be real and none of it was real, which is like bumper sticker shit in 2020. We're like, now that this is happening, we're like, everything is a construct, but like nobody got that. I mean, I'm sure there were people that got it, but like nobody in the mainstream understood that 20 years Maybe ago. Maybe some fools watching the X-Files like me would have been like, you know, she's onto something. Right. But most people, you're right. Right. And so um, 
I was under the impression that this was going to take place immediately. And so this job that I was taking with them would be to kind of gather a group, gather a tribe of higher dimensional beings who were like hiding out as humans. This gets pretty wacky. Um, who were hiding out as humans so that they could kind of execute this shift for the collective. Um, therefore, we are the aliens. And um, the aliens aren't like, from this planet they're just from like other timelines and what we are doing on earth we've done a million other places and so some of us were also pleiadians some of us were also uh syrians some of us were also but the thing about playing here on earth um in this particular uh game is that it was unconscious which means we don't know who we are and so when we don't know who we are we are in this like service to self model None of it matters. And there is like, there's the sad, what is the fucking point? None of it matters. And then on the other side of it, that is like so much freedom and fun just to be like, well, none of it matters. Let's do something. Let's play a character and, you know, actually play this game. So this is what's shifting now as we're going from this dichotomy-based, fear-based reality into more of a service to others, collective of consciousness, and uh, we're gonna heal all this garbage, whatever. So we're in the like apocalypse right now. And that's pretty much the job I took. They wanted to wait 20 years, I guess, cause I would have been the worst at this at 22. I, under, I was like, why, why did you have me wait for 20 years? And I'm like, oh, I get it. I would have been standing on the roof telling people to quit their psych meds and shit. I was a liability for the Galactic Federation. So <laughs> they did the right thing. <laughs> And it still was hard, and I hope you don't mind mentioning this because I'm not going to say anything that you haven't shared on your podcast, Soberish, but you tried to harm yourself a couple of times and they seemed to have saved you from uh, ending things. Was it because it was so overwhelming? There was such a, a big hole after the experience? I mean, it happened. Yeah, when you suffer from that like homesickness that just kind of burns in the background your entire life, and then you you feel home, which was just like the best ecstasy I've ever done. Um, I just felt like I picked the wrong door. And then there is this thing when you first wake up where you feel it feels insane that nobody else can see it, right? So you're just like, I just have to tell people and they'll get it but nobody can hear you. Like everyone is wired to wake up when they're supposed to wake up. And like, they decided that wherever they are plugged into this VR game and you can't make them see it. And that is extremely lonely. And um, so I come back and I am like, I met at this time, I, I still think I'm a backslidden Christian, you know? So I'm like, I met God and it's a ball of light. And you heard the hippies say vibration and light. I get it now. I've seen it. Energy. And like, this was like, I lived in Portland, but this was like still not mainstream like it is now. And so, uh, nobody was trying to hear it. And then I, I just, I became very like suicidal. Um, not, just kind of like, I'm going to go back to that ball of light. I picked the wrong, I would, I would like to uh, uh, beam me up, whatever. <laughs> I picked the wrong, I, I needed a minute to think about it. You didn't give me a minute. Let me back up there. And um, I used to think that they saved me. And now I'm starting to understand more about death. And uh, I think I probably died on those timelines. But yeah, I um, used to say that it was a lot of attempts and I only remember two of them but I hung myself at one point and then I just woke up have you ever seen the show Russian Doll yeah great show kind of such a great there. show uh such a great example of what dying is is like just you just wake up on a different timeline and so um I uh I think that we experience people leaving our timeline as uh you know when they die young as them dying, but I think we might just go to a different timeline. Because then I woke up and the thing that I had hung myself with didn't exist, and, and the, none of my roommates found me, which was the only possible way I could have gotten out of the bathroom. And then the other time I took uh, a bottle of pills and woke up three days later, um, and the person had been someone had been taking care of me for three days. But I was like, how did I go to the bathroom? Like, what? 
why am I back here? And so then I was just like, oh, I'm not allowed out of this fucking hellscape. I have to play through. Cool. Jessa, when did you read Vallis? I got to ask that. What, what is that? It's a book by Philip K. Dick. Vallis. I have seen a show by Philip K. Dick, and that's it. I never read what that you're, What you're relating is almost straight out of Horse Lover Fat's section of Vallis. Really? <laughs> Yeah, you should read it sometime. Okay. The suicide attempts, the uh, well, the blue light instead of the pink light, the whole thing. Um, did you ever see Radio Free Albemuth, the movie? Uh-uh. Uh, well, anyway, that's another thing you could watch. I, I, I won't go into detail here. It would be, take too long, but I think you'd really be interested in reading this. I love it. I get this a lot. I have a really hard time consuming content. Um, and, uh, I think because then it, I would be like, if I read that, I would be like, did I experience this? Am I, am I, uh, mixing this up with something else? The matrix had come out at the same time as this. And when I was explaining it to people, they're like, just this is the plot of the matrix. <laughs> you ripped it off. <laughs> <laughs> well, having seen both the matrix and uh, having read Vallis and watched radio pre album, who's read it and everything. I think this would be a little bit more than that for you because uh, so many things that you just related are you could read them out of the book i don't wow. miguel is that seem do you remember vals enough to uh have oh that yeah sense? yeah i mean again yeah you said it all including after that philip k dick suicide attempts oh uh, the pills the visions, yeah, yeah the yeah. whole thing yeah the 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 doubting the uh, relation to god the multiple timelines people existing on multiple timelines at once time not being a reality reality not being a reality it's all in there you oh, would man. just freak if you read this maybe that's why you don't want to read it but <laughs> He died um, uh, right when Blade Runner came out. He watched an early screening. Right. Ridley Scott took him to it, and but before the movie was released, eighty he something, he, right? And he, he predicted his death. He had he wrote one time of seeing a guy in between a couch and a coffee right. table, and he sent a letter to a friend, and that's exactly how he was found. So, yep. Oh Jesus! Definitely seeing seeing beyond the reality of the reality and yes i mean you do call it the matrix but you have of course a a more positive thing than the matrix it's not agent smith's trying to kick your ass at every second if there are agent smith's they are ticks <laughs> that's my new theory if there is something out to get us uh it is it is a tick no, I agree with you because we, we were talking before I live in the country and ticks, my wife is very worried about ticks around here. She thinks it's mm -hmm. a CIA plot, but whatever. She's very worried about I'm ticks. I'm open to that. I'm open. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, very much too, you were talking in your show about uh, children car seats. And I was like, oh my God, she sounds like my wife, the straps. And <laughs> she can do the math of these car seats and what the impact of a truck would hit and all that. So. Definitely could it is relate. the most like, I mean, they are death traps and it is the most likely uh, thing to take your kid out. So I think it is, a, it is a worthy, if you're going to worry, you know, uh, it is a worthy, it is a worthy thing to be um, knowledgeable about. And that is G-force on children. Keep them in a safe but then when we were kids, they threw us in the back of the yeah. trunk or something. Of the <laughs> yeah. We just like let us ride in the back of fucking like pickup trucks. Yeah. Like a, you hit a bump and you get thrown in the woods. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm open to the CIA created ticks. It's very interesting to like, uh, you know, I started talking about this. Uh, I, don't, I don't really think this, but I started talking about this stuff and it took me a while to kind of come out of the closet and, um, and then got really comfortable with it and started a Patreon and started really getting uh, bold on the Patreon because I feel a little bit safer. And then, um, yeah, I got bit by a tick and it's just, I just was fuzzy and I didn't, I didn't connect the two. There's, and I, there's just, I'm on Patreon. I'm just staring into the corner and it's, it's, it's my like communication center doesn't work. It might be the CIA trying to block you. They don't it's, want these people spreading that uh, these truths that they probably know about from a long time ago with their stuff. So yeah, would not be surprised. And, um, I wouldn't either. Because uh, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. 
Because uh, one of the, they they gave you information about the universe and the dimensions, the 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 alien school as you call it, the simulation getting to five D reality as you talk about. But they also gave you the ability to read minds and other stuff, which but this ability we all have, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's like each dimension, so dimensions are often used interchangeably with timelines and like whatever. These are all just uh, boxes that we use. So um, this is just my understanding of it. Um, but I see dimensions as like Photoshop layers, right? And uh, timelines as there is every potential reality, which is the entire purpose of life, right? Is to just it's just a big daydream of every potential reality. So we have the ability to like surf, some people call it, onto other timelines or manifest. I hate that word now, but like uh, move to, to different timelines with um, dimensions being more like you know, you have a triangle and then you add another dimension. Now you have a square, right? So each dimension comes in like a software update almost. And there's a whole range of things that you can experience now. And there are senses in each dimension. There is a set of senses. So in the third dimension, it's see, touch, and taste, right? In the fourth dimension, I uh, think like discernment, like an inner knowing um, in the mental space. The fifth dimension is where we really start to connect, but we kind of have to kill off some of the third and fourth dimensional bullshit in order to connect in the new way. And so this is where we get into like healing trauma and codependency and everything else. Um, but with that, there is a new way of existing and interacting with each other that then gives you new senses that in the third dimension we think, and they all run concurrent at the same time. So they're just people walking around right now with like, they're having a six dimensional experience and you're sitting at work with them. You're having a third dimensional experience and you don't really understand the six, not you, but like people don't really understand the six dimensions. So they don't really know whatever. And the six dimensional person knows if you're lying, uh, they know um, things about your physical, like they can tune in and see things. And they have a knowing about how the world works. They have the ability to surf to different timelines. People are starting to uh, do telekinesis and levitation. Like the, all of these things are our natural state of being. We've just been experiencing things at a lower level. So they seem like woo and supernatural, but it, it's actually just kind of like what we are. I would agree. And, uh, Vance, uh, do you have a question for the audience? Obviously, Jessa's striking parallels to uh, our Saint Philip K. Dick, but I think her view is closer, it's closer to you than my dualistic view. <laughs> yeah, very, like very close. Evil. Yes, well, um, um, Plume Quetzal wanted to know why, um, Jessa, why you don't like the word manifest? Um, I am uh, pretty... Uh, adverse i actually use the word quite a bit but i am um pretty i don't like the word anti uh i don't resonate with love and light spirituality and i or, or most of the new age um uh, yeah not new age no airy fairy crystally stuff huh no no toxic positivity i think that it's actually like you want to talk about a cia plot you know what i mean i've got my suspicions about love and light spirituality oh, yeah. um i think that consciousness is actually uh quite a bit of darkness and so um words that have been kind of tossed about in the new age community kind of start to rub me the wrong way and i try to move the vocabulary as much as possible so whenever i say manifest that like um the secret you know <laughs> it's like uh, energy right and like a, oh. yeah so <laughs> like i have to use some of them and i do actually use manifest quite a bit but for some reason it just the light workers yes yeah um, another uh oswald spengler wants to know if you are into george's batail or whatever that do you know what that is i'm not sure i'm pronouncing it correctly no I uh, don't know anything about the world I live in, including most of the other people talking about this stuff. <laughs> that's very liberating, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I, I love about your, 
your work is you always try to keep it simple. You, you're not like, well, this reminds me of the eighth, the Gevura of the Sephiroth, <laughs> and I can tie it into Hermeticism. Mm, and Blavatsky yes. quoted this, and Isis <laughs> Rising, and then Edgar Case predicted this. About, you keep it very simple. And I was even telling Vance, it's like, I have these notes for Jessa. It's so simple. I'm complicating my own mind. And Vance <laughs> is like, this is great. So it's great you keep it simple. Yeah, I think I don't have a hard drive anymore. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I've had to like learn how to not judge myself for the way that my memory works now. Because I think we're all just going to be streaming from the Akashic Records. And that's how I'm spinning this brain fog thing. It's just, I'm just getting an, a software update. But um, uh, I don't have, I, I know that when I first woke up, I was like, I had books that I was consuming. But if I could describe how I was reading them, I was like flipping through pages and looking for keywords and everything I learned, I learned through like synchronicities. And uh, so there's a chance that I've absorbed all of this stuff at some point. And then I like just, it's not mine, you know, it's just in the air. But um, yeah, I am frustratingly disconnected from all of it, including geography, <laughs> basic math. <laughs> but in your view, yes, you're talking, obviously, 2020 supports the idea of an apocalypse. I think people are very open to the idea of a simulation. All the ideas that were kooky or science fiction when us Gen X were teenagers on the fringe. But you see a very positive, I mean, most people today are freaking out. It's the end of the world, the end of America, the end of, but you see, as you've talked in your podcast, this is a positive thing that will culminate in like a decade or 20 years? Not even that long. Oh. Uh, we'll have like the structure built by 2024 and by 2027 we'll be living in it. Um, this is actually a pretty quick uh, demolition. So some things that have like connected what I was shown back then and I've I told this story on the podcast multiple times and I would have said it was metaphor but I was living in Portland, Oregon when I was waking up and um, there are several dreams that I still remember. And one of them was that they took me up to the clouds and they said, we'll live here. And Portland was on fire. And there was like people ripping people out of cars and beating them up and shit. It was like the, uh, couldn't happen. Could no, not. I wonder when I that happened. Uh, Hmm. And hmm. so then they were like, we'll hang out here in the clouds. And whenever people reach their arms up, we'll pull them up. And the vibe of that was just, uh, we have to collapse the old thing to build the new thing. And it seemed very short. And the apocalypse in the Greek is like to reveal or to un like the unveiling or whatever. It seemed very short and that we would then build a new society. And the, the reason that people can't see it is because they're judging everything on what mankind is in unconsciousness. And if everyone woke up and remembered who they were, it would be pretty cut and dry, right? So that is what's happening is this, it, the, there's people are waking up in waves in a way that's like making it as um, stable as possible. You know, if everyone woke up at once, it would be uh, crazy, you know? So, um, and then the other thing is uh, usually what we do when we're about to switch the game is wipe out the civilization. And this is the first time that we are, what they told me was this is the first time we're taking our bodies with us. Um, and I always thought that that was some fancy ascension thing and we're going to get these light bodies or what. And it's actually just like, no, literally, we're just not going to wipe you out with a flood. Um, you're, you were humans, uh, homo sapiens at the beginning of this, you're going to be homo sapiens at the end of this. Mm. But what we are experiencing is the death of our civilization while awake, while here for it, which is brutal. Um, so this is the first time we've ever tried to pull this off, apparently. And this is the last time we had this was obviously Atlantis, Atlantis 12, yeah. 14,000 years ago. Yeah. And they basically became thought form, those who survived. Yeah, I'm still unpacking uh, some wounds from that um, and kind of the memories from that. I think a lot of us are kind of getting, because memories from past lives are different than, than physical picture memories from yesterday. I mean, I don't have those anymore, but from what I remember of memories, 
um, they're like feelings, you know, and then you kind of have to feel through it with like tiny flashes. But yeah, we fuck shit up in Atlantis basically. <laughs> and now we're like back in this moment of time. And so this is actually, uh, the paintings called Atlantean man. Mm. Um, Did you ever do a past life regression? No. Uh, That'd be interesting. <laughs> it would be interesting. I think maybe I don't want to know. I'm like, I have not I lived here that. before. <laughs> I have memories from Egypt um, and that's it. And now Atlantis. Yeah. I love that term you use Atlantean wound. It's a really beautiful term. Yeah, it is. Uh, so far what we've got is um, what's interesting is in the great and a, a bunch of this I learned from the show initiation on Gaia. Um, that I can only watch in like five minute increments. But every time I watch it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing that I'm trying to articulate. Um, is uh, the great year, the way that the great year works. So Atlantis was us falling asleep and this is us waking up, but it's the same moment in time. And um, the Atlantean wound, whatever went wrong. And the thing that I remember is that I knew whatever went wrong was going to go wrong. And, uh, uh, but when it went wrong, I don't, I just remember like knowing I was about to die and having to accept it. So some people got out and some people didn't. And the people who got out have like this Atlantean wound of like guilt. And they're, they're the people that have a really hard time making a decision. You ever just like see someone who needs like fucking three hours to decide what they're going to eat. And it's like, there's no wrong choice. What do you want to put in your mouth right now? And it's like, they feel like every decision they're making is the fucking end of the world. You know, you've met a Capricorn, right? Um, those are people that got out, not all of them, but that's often what the wound manifests for them that are afraid to make the wrong choice. And then the raging abandonment wound is the, uh, is the, those of us that got ditched. Wow, and these wounds are not from just the past, but also from our our, our, our lives. Or do you see our, our what we what happened to us as children was connected to the past, or two separate things? Or what happened to us children is to teach us moments because you, you're very open about your childhood, and it wasn't uh, it was not peaches and cream, that's for sure. No, uh -uh. a lot of a uh, lot of trauma. Uh, it's pretty typical for the older you are, and time doesn't exist. But like the, my current understanding of it is like uh, energy exists in all these different realities, and then energies come together and do like you know, uh, let, well, let's bring my energy and your energy, and basically the aliens were fucking the humans. And then uh, we'll see what happens here. So then you have like babies, right? You have baby energies. And so like earth is their first uh, thing. They're eventually going to be creator gods out in new civilizations, helping people, whatever. Um, uh, but us older souls who have been doing this for a while, we have stories. Like everyone has stories. Like um and we create that story over and over again like we attract that story to ourselves and then we eventually get to the point where we heal it we face the final boss and um and then after that we become conscious of the story and we get to decide whether or not we're going to participate in it anymore but i think a lot of us from atlantis atlantis kept creating this abandonment narrative for ourselves over and over again which ultimately goes all the way back to the mother wound and all of this is for fucking nothing, by the way. This is just, this is just, uh, the source is stoned in a basement somewhere and is like, <laughs> let's fuck around. Um, we, uh, we split the masculine and feminine energy, masculine and feminine as in energy, not as in sex or gender. And so the feminine energy has been chasing and longing for the masculine. And so everything comes and the masculine's afraid of being engulfed and whatever and the proximity dance. And so ultimately everything is us, tiny pieces, particles of source, trying to heal that wound like within ourselves and everything comes back down to that mother wound. Wow. For those who have come in late, although the, the forum looks very lively, the chat room, we have Jessa Reed, 
the comedian and host of Sobrish, one of my favorite podcasts that I rarely miss. And uh, Vance is here with us. I, and uh, Vance, any questions from the audience or that you might have for Jessa? Well, we got um, uh, one from Plume Quetzal again. And uh, do you have any more possible prophecies or visions for Oregon? Notice I said Oregon instead of Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> You're familiar with the state. Um, yes, I've been there. Yeah. No, and that one was an accident. I, be, I thought that was metaphor, to be honest. I assumed that the dream took place in Oregon because that's where I was at the time. And, uh, and I had talked about that. You know, it was, the, um, it was the clouds part that I was talking about when I talked about it. And all of my uh, predictions are accidental um, and usually metaphor. Like I said that there was a glitter that was about to hit the earth that was going to force everybody to face their worst nightmare. And, uh, it was COVID. And I, I mean, I obviously didn't think it was legitimately glitter, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have predicted it was a pandemic. Um, I can tell you that, um, we're going back into death energy right now and which is okay. Um, we've been in birth energy for the summer and uh, part of that birth energy also included like a desire to um, kind of bury our heads in the sand. So we were kind of living on a little bit of a zombie timeline. A lot of people wanting to believe like pet cemetery, you know, right. wanting to go back to the way things were. Um, so we're going back into death energy for the next few months. And uh, this also all lines up with astrology. So 2020 was like, I don't know the most brutal year astrologically in a really, really, really long time. And the worst of it is the next couple months, which kind of lines up with just be prepared for anything and be like water. So imagine you're standing in front of a huge wave is about to hit you and just like, just melt and let it do what it's going to do. Um, I did see all of this coming and I did see what's on the other side of it, which is everything we've wanted. So we just have to uh, get to that. And um, if you have ideas for a better world, start working on them because odds are you came here to build it. Love it. So, that's, yeah. That's election. A, How about the election? You know, don't, that, I, I was just going to say, uh, it's <laughs> not gonna, the, the revolution will not be legislated. No, um, no. We uh, will overthrow the government by building new systems. Sorry if I just got your YouTube <laughs> taken down with that. Um, it's uh, the hierarchical systems don't work. Um, power corrupts. And so, um, yeah, we just, we're going to build a compassionate framework, but we're just going to build it ourselves. And what's happening right now is the, that power is just being dismantled. Um, there's a lot of chaos coming in the next couple of months, which I'm assuming is around the, uh, the election. I mean, yeah, I, I think a part of that should be, we should have two presidents, one from each party. And every week they have a press conference where they just duke it out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Let's just, yeah, let's get them like foam bats or something. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of like collective trauma that came as the uh, result of, uh, you know, the patriarchy, white supremacy, uh, all of this that is like collectively has to be answered for and healed. And that's kind of in the energy that we're in right now. And I think what we're seeing kind of play out um, in politics is kind of a micro version of that. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be them. It's going to be us. And like, you can't hurt, you can't heal where you are hurt. Like they're never going to be something other than what they are. The oppressive systems were built to oppress. We're just basically going to kind of unplug. All of these systems exist because they convinced us that they're real. And so you just got everybody being used as like a matrix. Meanwhile, they're living lives that they fucking hate working jobs that they can't stand because from childhood they were conditioned to do something that they hate for eight hours a day. And then, and then we're all walking around like robots going, the rich keep getting richer, the poor keep getting poorer. My life's about <laughs> survival. I mean, the smartest thing they ever could have done is convince you that your life's about survival. Meanwhile, you're, cre you're actually a god and you can just create whatever the fuck you want. So what's happening right now is people are going, well, this is bullshit. 
and I can just do whatever I want. And so their systems are collapsing, all of it, the education system, the financial system, all of it. And they keep trying to convince people the Great Depression is coming. And it's like, the Great Depression existed because you convinced people that money was so real. But you know what I mean? Now people are like, why don't we just say fuck money? Like, why would we go into 10 years of hell? Why don't we just like not do that? So now you have quantities of people who have money, just like, why don't we just buy land and build houses for people? And it's, it's really going to be like that. Why don't we stop putting our kids in school and create things amongst ourselves? It's really right now we are in the wizard behind the curtain. Someone just has opened the curtain and everyone's gone. Uh, you guys are actually extremely disorganized. If I'm honest, if COVID showed us anything, it's like, People are like afraid of a police state. I'm like, these guys can't get their shit together enough for a fucking police state any more than we have. I mean, Jesus Christ. So yeah, we're going to overthrow the government. It's going to be fucking tight. I promise. Awesome. Love your message. Love your message. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I agree. I mean, I, I say on my podcast, this may not be the best time to be alive, but this is the best time to be awake. I mean, this is an apocalypse that shows each one of us what's inside of us and really rents the veil of everything that, as you said, the wizard's been trying to put up for centuries. So it's, uh, I have been in an amazing state of mind in 2020. Sometimes I'm like, well, if the world goes back to normal, I'll probably go back crazy again because I don't think I can handle it like you, this sort of... <laughs> yeah, no, it is... It's going to be really good. It's going to be really good. Right now, people are waking up and stepping into their power. And, it, you know, it, we have to face a lot of things that we're afraid of. But the, uh, the, pro the fear propaganda machine is, that's why everything's like kind of spinning out into a, a million different conspiracy theories and shit. Is because people are kind of like, uh, I feel like I'm being lied to. Um, is it because pedophiles live under the ground? You know what I mean? I'm like, give everybody a second to you know <laughs> just be like no 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 like you just were lied to about what reality is that's it's not quite that fucking nuts now i'm gonna get added by a bunch of people that think pedophiles live under the ground i'm not expressing an opinion on that i just am like you're being used as a battery in the matrix and you're a god and we'll just leave it at that amen amen yeah i love your idea of abundance as you're talking about we are gods and some of your stories I could really relate. You have this story about you went to a restaurant and you spent $200 and you're like, I don't even drink. How did I spend $200? But you had this like shock of like, oh my God, I just spent $200 myself. How am I going to pay this bill? And I was like, just as like describing my life, this sort of silly anxiety life. And I was that way a year. I mean, if I spend too much money, I'd be like freaking out because I thought it was fine. And then I realized one day, Money is just energy, and this energy can be created, transferred, moved around, and ultimately it's neither good or bad. So great insights. Maybe tell the audience more about your ideas of abundance, especially when, like you said, people are freaking out because this is the Great Depression. This is the reset. Yeah, so abundance is, uh, as, a, as a creator God, and this will be, um, this will be, really obvious in a few years, but you are creating all the time. And it's not with your thoughts, it's kind of with your beliefs. And there is like an energetic um, control panel to all of this, but it's your natural state of being and you've been doing it your entire life. Um, not to get like conspiracy theory, but like maybe uh, intentionally or unintentionally, you were programmed your entire life to create a certain, um, way of existing uh abundance just is like you don't get into a video game i don't know much about video games but you wouldn't like log into call of duty and then immediately start like freaking out about how you're going to pay your rent right it's like right. that's not what you came here for no. but we get here and from uh, a very young age lack lack think of lack Abundance is your natural state of being. It's like an unconscious thing that like doesn't. And when I say abundance, I mean freedom to move about the cabin, play the game, have your needs met, not to be confused with wealth or the hoarding of resources. Okay. Abundance uh, is not having five cars while people starve on the streets. That's insane. 
Um, abundance is just the freedom to exist and have your needs met. And those needs are, uh, you know, it's just, is fine. Right. And then lack is think of like a virus. Um, scarcity is a virus on your computer that exists like pop-ups. Right. And so every time you go to access, access your abundance, um, these pop-ups show up and it's different. It's pretty much programmed into you in childhood. And um, this was something that aliens explained to me, but I was raised poor and uh, with a ton of that programming that it took me years to hack. And, but I observed things in the difference between rich people and poor people. And when I was on the streets doing drugs, I noticed that the rich kids, the kids whose parents had a lot of money, they were not being taken care of because they were cut off because they were on drugs, but they always landed in a much better position. We would all lose all of our shit to the cops or whatever. And then those kids would always have a car and an apartment again, like quicker. They would come up quicker. And um, it was energetic. I could tell it was energetic. And it was like, oh, cause they expect it. Like there's no part of them that could, where I could be like, well, tonight I sleep in a bus depot because my baseline was low. Cause I, you know, I uh, lived in a trailer park and had ants in my cereal when I was a kid. So like I can, I just uh, can go way lower um, without it not resonating with my version of reality. And so I noticed that, and that was something I thought about. And then um, I went about trying to hack this. And one of the things I noticed was um, uh, scarcity is, um, there are a lot of things, little hacks I talk about, like make all your dishes match, if that makes you feel, even if it's a $20 set from Target. For me, when I was a kid, we ate out of margarine dishes all the time, and it made me feel poor as fuck. My silverware never matched. There were things, you know, we also had a tarp on the roof because my mom was a tweaker, but like, um, I figured out small things to make me feel like I had money, even though I didn't. And then um, there came a point where I learned that uh, poor people have all this guilt and shame around money because we're told that life is about survival. And we have all of these virtues, worker bee virtues around it. And we also are like, that's not how rich people live. Rich people don't live like that. They don't think about any of that shit. Um, also, everything that we're taught about how to like, uh, like work super hard, save your money, be frugal, those are all things that close abundance because what you're telling the universe is that this is a, this is a scarce resource and I have to be, it's very tiny, it's very small. When abundance is this just like raging river, it doesn't give a fuck, it doesn't care. And there you have it, my beloved true seekers. The first part of our stimulating talk with Jessa Reed. The coolness will continue in our second part, and it was just cool with Jessa. As mentioned in the intro, and as a bonus for AB Prime members and patrons at Patreon, I'm including an old interview with Parallel Notions. It was with Reverend Michael Carter, author of Alien Scriptures, Extraterrestrials in the Holy Bible. Michael is a Christian pastor who, as you can see by his book, became embedded personally in the world of UFOs and their mission for humans. Including the audio version, this is a cool listen if you leverage the private RSS feed from AB Prime or Patreon that works in the podcast provider of your choice. So please become a member of Patreon and support this Red Bill Cafeteria. Go to thegodabovegod.com for means to assist in getting infernal rewards. Or just contact me. I can't do it without you. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics is more important than ever. Might be the only way to get into that 5D consciousness Jessa talks about and see the whole of the moon, as the song goes. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being yourself. Your true self. 
hello and goodbye, as always. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.